Hey, uh, do you, have you ever heard of this phrase, curse ye morose? Uh-huh. Some of you are new in our church or even in the last 20 years. I don't know that we've ever taught that. Uh, curse ye morose. And what does it mean? It relates to our theme, our message tonight. Uh, would you like to turn with me to the book of Judges? I want to point it out to you and tell you a little bit about it. Chapter 5. Deborah. How many love Deborah? Come on, Deborah. Man. Man. Wow. Deborah. Huh? Boy. She was singing and praising God. Now, the, the history and geography, you have like this. Here's the Sea of Galilee. The Jordan River runs down into the Dead Sea. You came to church to learn a little geography tonight. Okay. The battle, the Canaanites in the north, there was up here, um, city Hazer, Hazer. There was um, Megiddo, Mount Tabor is like here. Oh, it's not up there? Okay, it'll be coming. It's like Jesus coming. You never know. You never know. Okay. So uh, the Canaanite kings in the north, and, and I just draw this line here. Uh, they were they were defeated by Joshua, but they came back, and they had a sword and they had armies. And this particular general had nine hundred iron chariots. Okay. 900 iron chariots, a big, a very substantial force. And Deborah and Barak, um, they, they teamed up, and uh, Deborah led. And um, there, there was a king, a Canaanite king, his name was Sisera, right? And he was the commander. And, and he came up here in this area. I'm not going into the detail. You can look it up in your study Bible and see what happened. But Deborah and Barak came out against him, and he actually fled on foot. He fled on foot to get away because the, their army was defeated. And there was a small village called Meroz. And what did those, when the king... The enemy is fleeing on foot, the commander. They had an advantage. They could have captured him. They could have destroyed him. They could have killed him. But instead, they just said, we're going to mind our own business. We're not into this. We're doing our own thing. Uh, So that's the principle. It's simple, but it it relates to what we want to say tonight. So look at Judges 5. It's a great chapter actually with a lot of names and places uh, tribes and how they related to this battle they weren't united under a king at this time in their history Israel so they had judges like heroes the word for judges is hero they had heroes that would just step up and they would they would do what had to be done to defeat the enemy because there was um, different people living in the in the land, and the the foreign 
or the Canaanite people would oppress the Jews, hated the Jews, and the Jews were given the land, so they believed it was theirs, uh, but they were oppressed. So God raised up a hero. The point here is that uh, whether you are winning or losing, you have to have something in your heart about what to do. You have to have something in your heart that's not based on convenience or your opportunity or your advantage. It has to be something on a higher principle. There has to be something in our hearts. And that's why, that's why uh, we, we, we are fellowshipping. The word fellowship is really our subject. But look at Judges 5. It says, verse 23, Curse ye morose, said the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants there, because they came not to the help of the Lord. They didn't show up. They, they, they hid. Uh, maybe some, some examples of that come to your mind when, you know, like you're really needed but you, you're not going to do it. You're not going to take the risk. There's risk involved. You're not going to be part of the team. You just shut your door and play it safe. But you could have been the turning. The tide had already turned, but you could have helped us. And so uh, Deborah is saying that, um, you know, that shouldn't have happened that you should have done that. So um, this is about being a cowardly. Uh, this is about hiding when, it, when I'm needed. Or it's about uh, I need the Holy Spirit in my heart to govern my life. I need the Holy Spirit to show me, you know, what, what, how I think about this. So you, I think you got that, right? Okay, we'll leave that and go to this word in its fellowship. This is in Psalm um, 27, where I would like you to look at Psalm 27. A couple of weeks ago, we had a message here on Wednesday night on prayer. And uh, by the way, somebody said to me, they go, you know, church is great on Sunday but it's even better on Wednesday. And um, I go, why do you say that? They, I don't know, but it, it, the messages are, I mean, I just love to come on, on Wednesday, and, and I, I need it, and we get in the habit of it. It's a little, a little more feeding, a little, another message that I can use to think about during my week, and because we have fellowship. So let's talk about it for a minute. Turn to some... 27, verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after. Now that reduces your life to simple, real simplicity. One thing have I desired. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of distractions in life, I got a lot of things that come from my own heart 
lot of distractions. It's a, it's a way of life. I know this. But then, but then we enter his courts with praise, his gates with thanksgiving. We come into his tabernacle, and, and we, are, we are in fellowship. We're in fellowship with God. And this is what, have, this is what he's saying. I, I really find the fellowship... This is what he means. I find the fellowship with God, the presence of God, the spirit of God, the clarity of God, the peace of God, the joy of God. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Um, we, we find fellowship. We, we are, 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 well, let's look at it. Verse 27 or verse 4. Psalm 27, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Isn't it amazing to find one thing in life that you want to do all of your life? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Remember Psalm 84 and the sparrows that live in the house of the Lord. It looks like the psalmist saw the house and he saw the birds. The birds wanted to live there. Remember that story by Don Barnes? Yeah, he walked to the church one Sunday morning. The neighbors are sitting on the porch across the street. They said, hey, there's, there's uh, was it birds flying in the top of the church. And he said, at least they know where to go. Okay, verse 4. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, the presence of the Lord. To behold the beauty of the Lord. Now, beauty is a gift on the outside of me to see something beautiful, and then the inside of me to have the faculty to recognize it when I see it. When I, I see something beautiful, I recognize that. That's a, that's a gift for us from, as people. We know what beauty is. When you see a beautiful child, you see beautiful mountains or ocean, or you see something beautiful, a small thing, a beautiful thing, a piece of artwork or a person. You see something beautiful. You see the heart of a person is beautiful. The kindness, the graciousness, the humility of people. In the body, you see service without conditions. You see something beautiful. This reminds me of a verse. Turn to Luke 11 with me. And this is Jesus speaking with a man that is like this. He doesn't have the fellowship They'll put it like this way, there's a little picture. The man has the outward life down. He's got it down, the life, and I will call it the outward life. He's a winner. He's got it down. He's well-known, he's respected, he's got money, prestige, position, he's got it down. He's, 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 he's a winner. He's a winner. And these people walk amongst us. But look at what Jesus said. John, 
Luke 11:37. As he spake, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him, and he went in and sat down to meet. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not washed before dinner. Uh, the Pharisee is uh, outward, occupied with his religion and his behavior and his words, occupied. But does he have fellowship with God? Does he have fellow? Does that Pharisee have fellowship with God? He doesn't. He doesn't. Look at it, verse thirty-nine. The Lord said. Now do you Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. I see your heart. I see your heart. That's what I see. I see who you are. You're an arrogant, proud, religious winner. You fool everybody. You fool everybody. You have a great reputation. But do you have fellowship with God? Answer, no. You don't have. Your inside is filled with judging people. No compassion. No love. No joy. No peace. Did God make the outside and also the inside? Look at chapter 11, verse 40. You fools, did not he that make that which is without that make make that which is within also? Let's write those two words down. Without, what, what are the things without that God made? What did he make on the outside? Well, you could take my body, my hands on the outside, my 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 physical body made that on the outside. Um, being with other people, they make companies, businesses, they make families on the outside. They make families on the outside. You have friends on the outside. We have institutions that are on the outside. We have a civilization that is on the outside. But God made the world so that we would have an outside. But didn't he also make the inside? Well, curse ye morose. Why curse that village? Because they didn't have the fellowship with God to do the right thing. They were too afraid of them, afraid of the results, or they were hiding like the Dutch people in the Netherlands in World War II, hiding the Jews. We're not going to hide any Jews. What, you think we're going to get, we'll go to prison, we'll get killed if we hide the Jews. Yeah, Corey Ten Boom's family said, we're doing it. There's not even a discussion. We're doing it. These people are refugees, and they are being hunted and murdered, and we're going to hide them. So that's the idea. In our life, you know what you need more than anything? Not the outside life. You need what God made on the inside to be operating. And what is that for? It's for fellowship with God. That's what we're made for. If said, it would be in us, in our spirit. 
in our hearts. That's where this this uh, theme is leading us tonight in our meditation. Let's read it. Uh, 40, you fools, do not he that make that which without. Let's say the Ten Commandments. All of those things on the outside. Do not commit adultery. Do not lie. Do not bear false witness and so on. But it has to come from within my heart, not just my behavior on the outside, but something from within. Psalm 51.6, God requires truth in the inward part. So here it is. We'll just say this. When you enter into the house of God in the Old Testament picture, and you're a worshiper, how do you enter the courts? How do you enter the court, Psalm 100? Yeah, you enter his courts with praise, his gates with thanksgiving. Remember we said, if I had to meet an important person, I would kind of get ready for that. I'm going to have, I'm going to meet an important person. I'm going to be careful what I say. I'm going to be my, my, I'm going to be myself, but I, I'm going to approach that event with some respect. Well, when we come before God, let's think about it. I'm coming before God, and I would like him to show me if there is any evil way in me, if there's something not right. Now, here's a sketch. Here, here's a picture of, the, of, um, of a man. I guess I'm going to give him a mustache. Okay, does that look like a man? Okay, it's for sale at the end of the meeting. He's looking at himself. He's looking at himself. What does he see when he looks at himself? He sees himself. But what's the problem with that picture? Number one is the man, how does he see him? How do you have the ability to see yourself? Do you have the ability to know yourself? Like, how do you know yourself? But this is part of what God made. He made the inside, too, that we would be self-reflective, that we would be self-conscious, that we would know we exist. You don't have to tell a child, you exist. They go, Dad, you know, duh, I know that. Okay, that knowledge of ourselves is also like fluid. And you have different things that you think about regarding yourself in different ways. And you could say, this is who I would like to be. Who would I like to be? Or you could also say, this is unfortunately who I am. And that is moving. It, it moves. I am disappointed with myself. That's called regret. I'm, I can't believe I did that. Or it might even be I am deceiving myself. Have you ever said when you hear about a scandalous thing, maybe in, with a Christian 
I can't believe that that Christian has been living this way all their life and they've been a hypocrite. Have you ever heard that? I can't believe that I could never live with myself if I did that, if I was a hypocrite like they were. Okay? What's wrong with that? You change. You say, I could never do that. You don't know that because you can change. You can actually become a deceitful, lying thief. How do you know? You, you say, I, could, I would never do that. Well, well what, what if you are changing in a bad way and you start to accept the fact that this is what I do? Yeah, of course. That's why yeah, this picture has to go, has to change. This whole paradigm here, this whole picture of our self-consciousness has to change. And I know how it can change. That's amazing. And you know it too. We know how this can be changed so that we have another way of thinking about our lives. This picture is, for the most part, is about the outside. It's who are you. It's on the outside. That's how people think. You know, if I, if I, I don't want to go into it too much, but I think you follow it with me. Are, are you understanding what, what I'm trying to say here? Probably you don't. You, you're not, but thanks for just saying, you know, yes, yes. All right, so this is amazing that God made the inside, that God made the inside of us. And we recognize it when we have Jesus in our life. Now, this picture is a very good one if we turn, turn the man into a woman. Let's do that. Take the mustache away. I can't do it. Or, yeah, I can. Forget about it. But, hey, this is, this is, put it, you know, she has an earring here. All right. Woman with a mustache. Okay. Okay. Wait a minute. Hold it. I, I, I can't lose my thought. It's um, this picture is so if you take this picture with um, John 8 and the woman taken in adultery and to walk through that picture with that woman. Woman is taken in adultery. And she's very this is my my spin on it doesn't say this, but she's brought before Jesus. And who is condemning her? The Jews are condemning her, and the law is condemning her. You shall not commit adultery. If you do, you will be stoned. That's the law. She has all these people around her. She is guilty. Why do you think that picture? That would be her looking at herself and being disappointed for different reasons. I am an adulteress, and added to that, they found out that I am, and added to that, they are condemning me to death, and my life is miserable. My life is miserable because of this. I have lost 
And I, I'm living on the outside. I'm an adulteress. But God made the inside too. God made the inside of that woman. She sinned. Yeah. yeah, she's rebellious. She's sinful. It's a wicked sin. Absolutely. But God made the inside of that woman. You, you, you see what? Of course. Why did he make us? For fellowship. And I mean, I mean spiritual fellowship where your life is affected on the inside. And you enjoy your life. You actually enjoy your life. It's amazing. So listen to the story. Jesus said, okay. They said, what do you say, Jesus? The law says, what do you say? And he just bends down and he's quiet. Like I like that. He's just quiet and he's writing in the ground. And then, then he gets up and he says, um, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. So they go away. They go away from the oldest to the youngest. And then, then he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Now think of this picture. Where are your accusers? And she said, they aren't here. But she's not healed yet. You guys, neither do I condemn you. This is a whole new game. What? Are you kidding me? I'm guilty. Not with me. I've changed it. I changed the whole thing. I changed it. I am here. Look at me. I made you to worship me. My grace will change your life. My spirit will give you regeneration. I call you by name. I am for you, not against you. This whole thing. What happens to this woman is that this picture changes to something else. And I, I, I will try to give you a picture of what it changes to. It is, in effect, the cross where God gives grace to you. And you are here. And what are you looking at? God, you are a worshiper. Do you know what you're trying to accomplish? No, I have the presence of God. One thing have I desired that I go after is beauty and inquire in his temple. I want to hear from him, not from me. Look at, look at the, the picture here. This is about me. This is one is, that's about me. That's how you live. That's how you think about yourself when you're driving home. It's about you. Maybe you could say, I should pray more, or I should be like that saint, or that saint, or I should read my Bible more. I'm a little disappointed with myself and these ideas. As a pattern of life, as the whole thing. And that, that should change. By entering his courts with praise and thanksgiving, and say, neither do you condemn me. I am here, and your inside lives. You're alive. God is here. It's beautiful. I make questions, inquire. I am a seeker. I'm not a seeker for gossip or, uh, what's the word? Um, you know, I'm looking, searching iniquity, Psalm 64. I'm not looking for people's sins or uh, the failure, disappointments of people. The outside, 
I, I'm not accusing people of, of uh, things that uh, I don't know really anything about. And besides, they are not here in this world for me to judge them. We are in this world not to judge our brothers, uh, James 4, 14. We are not here to be evaluating each other with this uh, diagram here. Like, okay, how is he doing? I'm very disappointed with him, his behavior, and so on. How is he doing? It's like, what do you, what do you, why are you living there? Why are you living there? That's not where we're living. We are worshipers of God and are following God in the mystery of a fellowship in grace. And we're growing in grace and we're thinking in terms of grace. And out of our hearts is coming something pure by God's grace. So this is the, the uh, picture. It goes like this. The woman comes before God and she sees something beautiful. How do you discern the beauty? It's inside me. I know it when I see it. It's beautiful. When we see that story about the adulterous woman, and we just say, that's Jesus. That's beautiful. That woman's life was changed by Jesus. That's beautiful. That's why he came. That's what the ministry is about. It's about seeing beautiful things. Teenagers and children and people and families and business people and just seeing and f- people from far away finding Jesus Christ and the grace of God. That's our mission. This is our joy. It's our food. It's our bread. We have bread to eat that they don't know of. Now, it doesn't mean that she's not self-conscious, but I kind of think of it like a spiral upward direction where she is self-conscious, but God-conscious, and sees herself with a new identity. She has a new identity that was given to her by God. And it's not, it's not like, like, do does she have direction? Yes, she has direction. Does she have some godly ambition? Yes, she has some direction. Uh, she enjoys, she's, but one thing I have desired, that one thing, I don't have to make progress in the eyes of other people. I don't have to make progress in my own eyes. I don't even know. How many of you know how much you have grown in the last year, five years, ten years? What do you know about that? I don't know. I don't know what, what is, I just know the Bible says we increase with the increase of God. So there's an increase happening, but I don't know what it is. I, I would hope it is two words, not, uh, knowledge, Philippians 1.9, Colossians 1.9 and 10, knowledge and love. We would be increasing. So that's amazing. Uh, by the way, just a side point, the, a, the psychiatrists that work in prisons say this about this diagram here because I studied it one day in a library years ago, and I read about this, um, that, that in crime, violent crime, the difference between the criminal sees himself and what he should be, this distance, will determine whether he is violent or not in his crime. 
if the distance is far away from who he is, the frustration level is high. And he has hatred, as hatred for himself. And that's where the drive goes to become violent and hurt other people. Uh, this doesn't help. Like what, what that criminal needs, like the adulteress needed, wasn't to be told to do better or even to be forgiven. That, that in itself would have been amazing, but she was given something like entirely, incredibly new. And, um, and she had met God. And God spoke to her inner man. The, he made the inside too. The outside, but the inside too. How would a good message for our culture? Like likes and dislikes and, you know, prosperity and everything, diplomas and accomplishments and, and all that. I'm not again, that it has its place, but it cannot define my life. Didn't he that make the outside make the inside too? What do you mean inside? Conscience is clean. Identity is, I, I have a new identity in my heart. I'm in the presence of God. And he is with me and he's anointed me and he's using me in his plan. I mean this for, for all, you know, all of us believers. He has called you and he's using you in his plan. So... Okay. Yes. Amen. Let's do the offering. You can um, take a, the service. We'll, 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 we'll um, maybe we'll do the offering. We'll do a music song. Maybe I'll say a few more words, and then we'll close our service. But right now, talk to your neighbor for a minute about what you just heard. Share it. Okay, stay stay right here. Okay, I'm not. I just I want to draw your attention to a verse in James to add to your talk. Um, this is, happens to Christians a lot. If you haven't noticed it in your own heart, it will have. It does happen. Maybe nobody pointed it out to you. But it is a very, very common thing. It's James 4, verse 11. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He shall lift you up. Now, here's what happened. And I have this little booklet by Dr. Stevens there. This one, it's called Opposition by Pastor Stevens. Uh, read these booklets. They're excellent messages. If you're an affiliated pastor, read the booklet and preach message from it, you know. Share the doctrine and teach right from the Bible. Now here he is saying that the James is saying that Jewish legalists, Jewish legalists saw Gentile Christians come into the church and they judged them. So they judge them. So this is James 4.11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. Don't speak evil of each other. 
I don't care. Don't, don't look for evil. Don't speak about evil to each other. Go into the, how, into the te- temple with thanksgiving and be in fellowship with God and come out with a pure heart and speak love and edification and truth with each other. But don't speak evil of each other. Don't, be, don't slander. Uh, do not do that. So that's verse 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law. He, he is living in this other diagram, to be honest, this one. He is looking at not himself. He can do it to himself, but he's looking at you and saying you're not what you should be. You are not what you should be, and I'm going to tell that to you and this kind of thing and think it and judge my brother uh, about different things. That come up. I don't know. I want to finish the service. I've already preached long enough, but it's hard for me to do that right now. I mean, I judge my brother about the car he drives, the way he lives, his wife or family. I judge my brother about about things, about his attitude, what he said to me. He shouldn't have said that. And all of these kind. I'm pet, petty and picky and sensitive. I mean, we are pampered. We are pampered in our world. And we're told that we have a right to express ourselves and to be critical and say, you know what, I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. It's like, hold it. I don't care about what you think about me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You say, well, Pastor, you're not being open and transparent. I don't care. I, I do care, but I'm, I'm trying to say something to you. I, you have a bad habit. You are a critical person. It's not about me. I can hear my critics all day long. I mean, I'm just saying that. I, I, don't, I don't care. Yes, I have critics, and we all have. The, but as far as brothers go, brothers and sisters, you are not to be critical of your brother and your sister. You are not here for that reason. You are not here for that reason. I don't want to hear about a pastor. I don't want to hear about a brother or about a sister unless you've gone to them yourself. And when you go there, you better go there from God, from the Holy of Holies. You've got to come from God to your brother and sister. Otherwise, we don't want to hear your flesh. Because you could even be right, but you won't minister to the person and help them like Jesus would. Where are your accusers? There aren't any. Neither do I condemn you. Go. You have a changed life. Now, I know there's a lot to say about the subject, but I just got to get this out there because, you know, I, can't, I cannot cover the whole subject in a, in a few minutes, but I just want to, it's just in my mind. I have seen it. I've seen it mess up churches. I've seen it drive people away. I've seen people gossip and talk like you. And by the way, if you do somebody, somebody's talking like that, you just say, come with me. I want you, I want you to come with it. I want you to tell that to the person you're talking about. You're talking about Jimmy? All right, come with me. We're going to, you tell you that in front of Jimmy. I don't hear it unless he's there. Jimmy there? Then we're going to talk. If you had something to say, no, 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 it's too sad. I don't want to say to you. Well, then why are you talking to me? You're gossiping. You're speaking behind his back. And it needs to be, you cannot happen here. That cannot happen in our church. 
Guys, this is not about the flesh of men. This is another model. Watch it up there. That's a different model. This is God and his presence with us for edification. Now, there is a place where you go with, you go to the leadership or you, you go to the authority or, and by the way, if you're an authority, you have to be very prayerful and humble and meek and restore people in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Okay, so that's that. There's a lot of material in there. And I think um, the Spirit wants to say, here's a, a positive word on it. This is how it is. When you have something in your heart troubling you, like some something, we, it happens, we're human. We all have things that trouble us. Um, remember when Joseph went to prison uh, because the woman lied about him? She slandered him. So, so he's in prison. And we don't know what happened, like how he processed it. But he had to forgive her. He had to forgive her. And he had to live with God. And then when the dreams came, those two prisoners that had dreams, he was able to interpret them. And I believe that was God, God's hand on Joseph. Because in his heart, Joseph, this is a, the, he went before with gate, the gates with thanksgiving and praise. And he, he's worshiping there. He's just taking his time. When you are a worshiper, you and I are worshipers, we do have to slow down. We have to focus and, and just relate to God and receive from him and, and be worshipers of him. So then he heals Joseph on the inside. Then he, he interprets the dreams and he says, when you get out of here, the one that guy, that guy, the guy that survives. The baker is killed. The butler survives. He said, remember me. And it says, and he forgot him. There's another thing about worshiping God. You see, I may not get it my way, but I'm a worshiper. God is, is going to help me. God is going to take me. He's going to carry with me. I don't have to uh, flip out. I don't have to become nuts. I, I mean, I don't have to attack my brother. I don't have to attack the church or attack my family or attack the pastor or attack this or that. It's like, no, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not good. Don't do that. If you do it, process it differently. Come before his gates with thanksgiving and praise and learn how not to complain and talk and curse and be so upset and angry and just fly off the handle and go around like a nut yelling and cursing and everything like a Christian. It's like, are you kidding? It, what, your life is on the outside. You're behaving like a crazy person. Yeah, you know, just because something you're disappointed, but you you get quiet, like Job, for seven days, he's quiet before God. He's hurt a lot, a lot, more than anybody in this room could ever take, a lot, losing ten children at one time, 
he's hurting a lot. So why is that story there? Because this is about not me doing my best. This is about coming before God. One thing have I desired that I will seek after. This is what I, because in that house, it's beautiful. And there are answers. There's ministry. I might not get the answer I, w- I want, but I get the ministry I need. I'm able to go. I'm able to be there. I'm okay. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this, like, just in principle. And, but it's true. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is what Paul said. This is reality for us. This is a new life. So um, I'm saying all this to just say, be careful how you process your life and have a prayer life and a meditation life that's bigger than you. You know, set me on a rock higher than me. Help me. And there's no way without this book. But if this book can go in my heart and become a way of life, way of thinking, and learn it little by little, learn it little by little, and then relate to God, then out of you will come a fountain of, of um, the source will be in your words. Not, you know, have you ever been to a, a party where everybody's so polite and nice and, you know, oh, you know, oh, you look so good and, and all these things. It's like, what are you really, what, what is really in the heart? The church is a place where what is really in our hearts is the most important thing. That's where Jesus is in our hearts. And we don't play a game. We just are who we are. And, you know, that, that we just are. We're so happy about it. That my outer man, my, my, my who I am is somehow in connection with who I am. Well, who I am is actually who I am. That can't happen with people unless Jesus is the one that is the I am. I am crucified, but I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And that is me. That, that's the, the great gift. It's so refreshing, so satisfying, and so important. Don't slide into anything other than that and let the Lord search our hearts and lead us in the way everlasting. Amen.